0: Chapter 30 of David Copperfield. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. Chapter 30 A Loss. I got down to Yarmouth in the evening and went to the inn. I knew that Pigotti's spare room, my room, was likely to have occupation enough in a little while, if that great visitor, before whose presence all the living must give place, were not already in the house. So I betook myself to the inn, and dined there, and engaged my bed. It was ten o'clock when I went out. Many of the shops were shut, and the town was dull. When I came to Omar and Joram's, I found the shutters up, but the shop door standing open. As I could obtain a perspective view of Mr. Omar inside, smoking his pipe by the parlor door, I entered, and asked him how he was. Why bless my life and soul, said Mr. Omar. How do you find yourself? Take a seat. Smoke not disagreeable, I hope. Uh, by no means, said I. I like it. In somebody else's pipe. What, not your own, eh? Mr. Omar returned, laughing. All the better, sir. Bad habit for a young man. Take a seat. I smoke myself for the asthma. Mr. Omar had made room for me, and placed a chair. He now sat down again very much out of breath, gasping at his pipe as if it contained a supply of that necessary, without which he must perish. I am sorry to have heard bad news of Mr. Barkas, said I, Mr. Omar looked at me, with a steady countenance, and shook his head. "'Do you know how he is to-night?' I asked. "'The very question I should have put to you, sir,' returned Mr. Omar. "'But on account of delicacy. "'It's one of the drawbacks of our line of business. "'When a party's ill, we can't ask how the party is.' The difficulty had not occurred to me. Though I had had my apprehensions, too, when I went in, of hearing the old tune. On its being mentioned, I recognized it, however, and said as much. "'Yes, yes, you understand,' said Mr. Omar, nodding his head. "'We don't do it. Bless you, it would be a shock that the generality of parties mightn't recover, to say, I in Joram's compliments, and how do you find yourself this morning, All this afternoon, as it may be?' Mr. Omar and I nodded at each other, and Mr. Omar recruited his wind by the aid of his pipe. It's one of the things that cut the trade off from the intentions they could often wish to show, said Mr. Omar. "Take myself. If I had known Barker a year to move to as he went by, I have known him forty years, but I can't go and say how is he. I felt it was rather hard on Mr. Omar, and I told him so. I am not more self-interested, I hope, than another man, said Mr. Omer. Look at me. My wind may fail me at any moment, and it ain't likely that, to my knowledge, I'd be self-interested under such circumstances. I say, it ain't likely, in a man who knows his wind will go, when it does go, as if a pair of bellows was cut open, and that man a grandfather, said Mr. Omer. I said, not at all it ain't that i complain of my line of business said mr omar it ain't that some good and some bad goes no doubt to all callings what i wish is that parties was brought up stronger minded mr omar with a very complacent and amiable face took several puffs in silence and then said resuming his first point accordingly we're obliged in ascertaining how barkis goes on to limit ourselves to emily "'She knows what all real objects are, "'and she don't have any more alarms or suspicions about us "'than if we was so many lambs. "'Many and Joram have just stepped down to the house. "'In fact, she's there after hours helping her aunt a bit "'to ask her how he is to-night. "'And if you was pleased to wait till they come back, "'they give you full particulars. "'Will you take something, a glass of shrub and water now?' "'I smoke on shrub and water myself,' said Mr. Omar, "'taking up his glass.' because it's considered softening to the passages by which this troublesome breath of mine gets into action but lord bless you said mr omar huskily it ain't the passages that's out of order give me breath enough said i to my daughter minnie and all fine passages my dear he really had no breath to spare and it was very alarming to see him laugh when he was again in a condition to be talked to i thanked him for the proffered refreshment which i declined as i had just had dinner and observing that i would wait since he was so good as to invite me until his daughter and his son-in-law came back i inquired how little emily was well sir said mr omar removing his pipe that he might rub his chin i tell you truly i shall be glad when her marriage has taken place why so i inquired well she's unsettled at present said mr omar it ain't that she's not as pretty as ever for she's prettier i do assure you she is prettier it ain't that she don't work as well as ever for she does she was worth any six and she is worth any six but somehow she wants heart if you understand said mr omar after rubbing his chin again and smoking a little well i mean in a general way by the expression a long pull and a strong pull and a pull altogether me hearty is hurrah i should say to you that that was in a general way what i miss in emily mr omer's face and manners went for so much that i could conscientiously nod my head as divine his meaning my quickness of apprehension seemed to please him and he went on now i consider this is principally on account of her being in an unsettled state you see "'We have talked it over a good deal, her uncle and myself, and her sweetheart and myself, after business. "'And I consider it is principally on account of her being unsettled.' "'You must always recollect of Emily,' said Mr. Omer, shaking his head gently, "'that she's a most extraordinarily affectionate little thing. "'The proverb says you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear.'" "'Well, I don't know about that. i rather think you may, if you begin early in life. "'She has made a home out of that old boat, sir, "'that stone and marble couldn't beat. "'I am sure she has,' said I. "'To see the clinging of that pretty little thing to her uncle,' "'said Mr. Omar, "'to see the way she holds on to him, tighter and tighter, "'and closer and closer every day, is to see a sight. "'Now you know there's a struggle going on when that's the case.' "'why should it be made a longer one than is needful?' "'I listened attentively to the good old fellow, "'and acquiesced with all my heart in what he said. "'Therefore I mentioned to them,' said Mr. Omar, "'in a comfortable, easy-going tone, "'this. "'I said, now don't consider Emily nailed down in point of time at all. "'Make it your own time. "'Her services have been more valuable than was supposed. "'Her leaning has been quicker than was supposed.' "'Emma and Joam can run their pen through what remains, "'and she's free when you wish. "'If she likes to make any little arrangement afterwards, "'in the way of doing any little thing for us at home, "'very well. "'If she don't, very well still. "'We're no losers anyhow, for, don't you see?' "'said Mr. Omar, touching me with his pipe. "'It ain't likely that a man so short of breath as myself, "'and a grandfather too,' "'would go in straight points with a little bit of a blue-eyed blossom like her?' "'Not at all, I am certain,' said I. "'Not at all. You're right,' said Mr. Omar. "'Well, sir, her cousin—you know it's a cousin she's going to be married to.' "'Oh, yes,' I replied. "'I know him well.' "'Of course you do,' said Mr. Omar. "'Well, sir, her cousin, being, as it appears in "'Good work, and well-to-do, thanked me in a very manly sort of manner for this, "'conducting himself altogether, I must say, in a way that gives me a high opinion of him, "'and went and took as comfortable a little house as you or I could wish to clap eyes on. "'That little house is now furnished right through, as neat and complete as a doll's parlour. "'And but for Bacchus's illness, having taken this bad turn, poor fellow, "'They would have been man and wife, I dare say, by this time. "'As it is, there's a postponement.' "'And Emily, Mr. Omar?' I inquired. "'Has she become more settled?' "'Why that, you know,' he returned, rubbing his double chin again, "'can't naturally be expected. "'The prospect of the change and separation and all that is, as one may say, "'close to her and far away from her both at once.' "'Barkus's death needn't put it off much, but his lingering might. Anyway, it's an uncertain state of matters, you see. I see, said I. Consequently, pursued Mr. Omar, Emily's still a little down, and a little fluttered, perhaps. Upon the whole, she's more so than she was. Every day she seems to get fonder and fonder of her uncle. And more loath to part from all of us a kind word from me brings the tears into her eyes and if it was you to see her with my daughter minnie's little girl you'd never forget it bless my heart alive said mr omar pondering how she loves that child having so favourable an opportunity it occurred to me to ask mr omar before our conversation should be interrupted by the return of his daughter and her husband whether he knew anything of martha Ah he rejoined, shaking his head and looking very much dejected. "'No good. A sad story, however you come to know it. I never thought there was harm in the girl. I wouldn't wish to mention it before my daughter Minnie, for she'd take me up directly, but I never did. None of us ever did.' Mr. Omar, hearing his daughter's footsteps before I heard it, touched me with his pipe and shut up one eye as a caution she and her husband came in immediately afterwards their report was that mr barkis was as bad as bad could be that he was quite unconscious and that mr chillip had mournfully said in the kitchen on going away just now that the college of physicians the college of surgeons and the apothecary's hall if they were all called in together couldn't help him he was past both colleges mr chillip said and the hall could only poison him. Hearing this, and learning that Mr. Pagotti was there, I determined to go to the house at once. I bade good-night to Mr. Omar and to Mr. and Mrs. Joram, and directed my steps thither with a solemn feeling, which made Mr. Barkas quite a new and different creature. My low tap at the door was answered by Mr. Pagotti. He was not so much surprised to see me as I had expected, I remarked this in Pagotti, too, when she came down, and I have seen it since, and I think, in the expectation of that dread surprise, all other changes and surprises dwindled into nothing. I shook hands with Mr. Pagotti and passed into the kitchen while he softly closed the door. Little Emily was sitting by the fire, with her hands before her face. Ham was standing near her. We spoke in whispers, listening, between whiles, for any sound in the room above. I had not thought of it on the occasion of my last visit, but how strange it was to me, now, to miss Mr. Barkis out of the kitchen. "'This is very kind of you, Massa Davy,' said Mr. Pegotti. "'It's uncommon kind,' said Ham. "'Emily, my dear,' cried Mr. Pegotti, "'see here, here's Master Davy come. "'What, cheer up, pretty? "'Not a word to Massa Davy?' There was a trembling upon her that I can see now, the coldness of her hand when I touched it. I can feel yet. Its only sign of animation was to shrink from mine, and then she glided from the chair, and creeping to the other side of her uncle, bowed herself silently and trembling still upon his breast. It's such a loving art, said Mr. Pagotti, smoothing her rich hair with his great hard hand. "'that it can't abear bear the sorer of this. "'It's natural in young folk, Massa Davy, "'when they're new to these here trials "'and timid like my little bird. "'It's natural.' "'She clung closer to him, "'but neither lifted up her face, nor spoke a word. "'It's getting late, my dear,' said Mr. Pegotti, "'and here's Ham come for to take you home. "'There, go along with t'other loving aught. "'What, Emily, eh, my pretty?' THE SOUND OF HER VOICE HAD NOT REACHED ME, BUT HE BENT HIS HEAD AS IF HE LISTENED TO HER, AND THEN SAID THAT YOU STAY WITH YOUR UNCLE. WHY, YOU DON'T MEAN TO ASK ME THAT. STAY WITH YOUR UNCLE, MOPPET, WHEN YOUR HUSBAND THAT'LL BE SO SOON IS HERE FOR TO TAKE YOU HOME. NOW, A PERSON WOULDN'T THINK IT, FOR TO SEE THIS LITTLE THING ALONGSIDE A rough weather CHAP LIKE ME, SAID MR. Peggotty, LOOKING AROUND AT BOTH OF US WITH INFINITE PRIDE. "'but the sea ain't more salt in it than she has fondness in her for her uncle. "'A foolish little Emily!' "'Emily's in the right in that, Master Davy,' said Ham. "'Look here, as Emily's wishes of it, "'and as she's hurried and frightened like besides, I'll leave her till morning. "'Let me stay, too.' "'No, no,' said Mr. Pagotti. "'You do not ought a married man like you, or what's as good, "'to take and hull away a day's work?' "'and you don't ought to watch and work both. "'That won't do. "'You go home and turn in, "'and you ain't afeard of Emily not being took good care on, I know.' "'Ham yielded to this persuasion and took his hat to go, "'even when he kissed her, and I never saw him approach her, "'but I felt that nature had given him the soul of a gentleman. "'She seemed to cling closer to her uncle, "'even to the avoidance of her chosen husband. "'I shut the door after him, "'that it might cause no disturbance of the quiet that prevailed. "'And when I turned back, I found Mr. Pagotti still talking to her. "'Now I'm going upstairs to tell your aunt as Master Davy's here, "'and that'll cheer her up a bit,' he said. "'Sit ye down by the fire the while, my dear, "'and warm those mortal cold hands. Ye don't need to be so fearsome and take on so much. "'What, you'll go along with me?' "'Well, come along with me. Come.' If her uncle was turned out of my house and home and forced to lay down in a dike, Mas'r davy, said mister Peggotty, with no less pride than before, it's my belief she'd go along with him now. But there'll be someone else soon, someone else soon, Emily. Afterwards, when I went upstairs, as I passed the door of my little chamber, which was dark, I had an indistinct impression of her being within it, cast down upon the floor. BUT WHETHER IT WAS REALLY SHE, OR WHETHER IT WAS A CONFUSION OF THE SHADOWS IN THE ROOM, I DON'T KNOW NOW. I HAD LEISURE TO THINK, BEFORE THE KITCHEN FIRE, OF PRETTY LITTLE EMILY'S DREAD OF DEATH, WHICH ADDED TO WHAT MR. OMAR HAD TOLD ME. I TOOK TO BE THE CAUSE OF HER BEING SO UNLIKE HERSELF, AND I HAD LEISURE BEFORE PIGOTTY CAME DOWN, EVEN TO THINK MORE LENIENTLY OF THE WEAKNESS OF IT. AS I SAT, COUNTING THE TICKING OF THE CLOCK, and deepening my sense of the solemn hush around me. Pigotti took me in her arms, and blessed and thanked me over and over again for being such a comfort to her. That was what she said, in her distress. She then entreated me to come upstairs, sobbing that Mr. Barkis had always liked me and admired me, that he had often talked of me, before he fell into a stupor, and that she believed, in case of his coming to himself again, he would brighten up at the sight of me, if he could brighten up at any earthly thing the probability of his ever doing so appeared to me when i saw him to be very small he was lying with his head and shoulders out of bed in an uncomfortable attitude half resting on the box which had cost him so much pain and trouble i learned that when he was past creeping out of bed to open it and past assuring himself of its safety by means of the divining-rod i had seen him use He had required to have it placed on the chair at the bedside, where he had ever since embraced it night and day. His arm lay on it now. Time and the world were slipping from beneath him, but the box was there, and the last words he had uttered were, in an explanatory tone, Old clothes! Barkus, my dear, said Pegotti, almost cheerfully, bending over him while her brother and I stood at the bed's foot. Here's my dear boy. "'My dear boy Master Davy, who brought us together, barkis "'that you sent messages by, you know. "'Won't you speak to Master Davy?' "'He was as mute and senseless as the box, "'from which his form derived the only expression it had. Hey, "'He's a-going out with the tide,' said Mr. Pagotti to me, behind his hand. "'My eyes were dim, and so were Mr. Pagotti's, "'but I repeated in a whisper, with the tide, oh, people can't die along the coast,' said Mr. Pagotti.' except when the tide's pretty nigh out it can't be born unless it's pretty nigh in well not properly born till flood he's going out with the tide it's ebb at half out of three slack water half an hour if he lives till it turns he'll hold his own till past the flood and go out with the next tide we remained there watching him a long time hours what mysterious influence my presence had upon him in that state of his senses I shall not pretend to say. But when he, at last, began to wander feebly, it is certain he was muttering about driving me to school. He is coming to himself, said Pagotti. Mr. Pagotti touched me, and whispered with much awe and reverence, They are both a-going out fast. Bacchus, my dear, said Pagotti. C.P. Bacchus, he cried faintly. No better woman anywhere. Look, here's Master Davy said Pagotti, for he now opened his eyes. I was on the point of asking him if he knew me, when he tried to stretch out his arms, and said to me, distinctly, with a pleasant smile, Bacchus is willin," and, it being low water, he went out with the tide. End of chapter 30